With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. 
God bless you. Oh, happy days. It will be a happy day when Jesus comes. I knew somebody was going to say it. Christy Meadows says it reminds her of Martin on a <laughs> Big Mama's house. But that's old school. That was when I was a boy right there. Uh, my mama and aunts and them used to play that song right there. That's old school. I, I had another old one I was going to play. It was from 1962. We may, we may leave out on that one. Y'all probably, some of you may have heard it. Lord, don't move that, the mountain. I think it came out in 62. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. It's Inez Andrews. She uh, wrote that, did that song. God bless you. So good to see all my people in the Common Sense Nation. God bless you. Brittany, my sister, Arkansas. Twiggy, God bless you. My brother, Christian Meadows. God bless you. My sister, my my brother in Christ, JLC. God bless you. Put our links down. Uh, Jen, God bless you, Jen. So happy to see all of you guys today, and and as you know, we already had been going through this series, and today is the fifth uh, message in this series, the gospel according to to John, and this is our uh, fifth week on it. So after this, we we'll have five. We halfway there. We'll have five. Uh, we'll be through uh, five lessons after the day, and today we're gonna be. Uh, going through chapter ten and chapter eleven, so as I told you last week, don't don't worry if you got if you got if you got to go out, make sure you raise your finger like that you have to do in church. If you have to leave, <laughs> stick your finger up before you leave out. Say so you got you got an appointment. You got to get up early in the morning because uh, whatever I don't know how long it's gonna take, but uh, whatever however long it takes, we're gonna take our time and go through it. So today. Uh, normally we've been using the NIV version of the Bible, but today we're going to be using the King James version. At least for chapter ten, we will. And most of the time, we read through the NIV, and I like both of them. I actually like—I'm not one of those who actually thinks that if you don't read the NIV or the King James version or the NSAB, you're going to hell because neither one of these translations was out. <laughs> When Jesus was around, so now they got some bad translations. Don't get me wrong; there are some bad ones out there. But I, I happen to like the two NIV and the, and the King James version. Uh, the King, if you want to memorize scripture, I don't really know if any particular one is better than the King James version for remember memorizing scripture. When we grew up, it was easier to memorize because it's almost like it was Shakespeare. It was so poetic. The NIV is more in, in our language, but the definitions in the language uh, may be a little bit different, but the definitions are the same. So we left off on chapter 9 on last week. So today we're going to begin in chapter 10 of John's Gospel. Now in the verse 1 of the NIV, it says, Verily truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. Now the King James Version says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entered not by the door unto the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. One uses door, and uh, one uses uh, gate. So that's, that's the only difference. Most people are more familiar with the door as opposed to the gate. So... Uh, we're, we're using the King James Version today. So the King James Version calls it a door, but the NIV calls it a gate. 
Now, I don't believe there's anything wrong with either expression. Because technically speaking, a gate is a door for the sheep pen. I mean, I'm not, I'm not drawing too far of a conclusion, am I? So the Lord Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here because they were supposed to be the watchmen for the people. They were the ones that were supposed to keep the sheep on the path to God. And that's why the Bible says that those who teach or those who are over a flock, uh, you're going to be held to a higher standard. So they were the ones that were supposed to be keeping the sheep on the path to God. But instead of guiding the people to God, they were leading the people away from God. That's a dangerous thing to do. But these uh, so-called leaders were leading people off into dangerous animals. See, it's bad enough if they lead them away from God. They're just steering them. Wouldn't it look bad for a, uh, a shepherd instead of protecting the sheep from the wolf or the dangerous animal? They start making sure the wolf could get to the, his sheep. Now, you know that he can't carry anything about the sheep if you're allowing wolves to come in and ravish the sheep. In fact, it could be argued that they themselves are indeed the dangerous animals or the wolf. Because if you are supposed to be the teacher, if you are supposed to be the shepherd, your job is not to make disciples for yourself, but make disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Paul, he says, don't be talking about you from Paul or you from Apollos. All of you are supposed to be going towards Jesus Christ, not apostles for themselves. And I believe that's what's wrong, actually, with most uh, churches today. Most people are constantly talking about my ministry. And there's nothing wrong with you being proud of what God has done. But if you're always talking about your ministry and God is, and, and, and how God is doing something, and, you, and, and the main focus is on you as opposed to being on Jesus Christ, you're not going to get any reward for that because you already got your reward. You're beating your chest. The Master says, if you are not entering by the door, and you're attempting to gain entry another way into the sheepfold, you're nothing more than a thief and a robber. Notice that he say, he says, um, one that is not really the shepherd attempts to enter the sheepfold another way other than the door. In other words, you're attempting to enter the pen or the shelter where the sheep are housed, but is an unlawful entry. Your job as a lower shepherd of the sheep, because we will see that the, ultimately the master is the good shepherd. But as pastors or teachers that he has placed over his flock, are, you are stewards. Your job is to lead by example and point the people to the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the ultimate example. Attempting to get to God without going through the door which is the Lord Jesus Christ, you're nothing but a thief and a robber. I didn't say it, Jesus said it. Your problem is with Jesus. He says, trying to enter into heaven without going through him, you're a thief and a robber. Now, I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't want a thief and a robber coming in my house, do you? <laughs> when you go to your house, uh, normally when you get home, you don't go... You don't go around back and clam through the window, do you? Because <laughs> if if I if I'm your neighbor and I see somebody drive up 
and go around back and start climbing through the window, I, I'm going to call the cops and I'm gonna, I'm, I might arm myself because there's a problem. Unless you done lost your keys or something, most of the time you just open the door and go through the door, right? You don't be, let me go climb through the window. You dress up, say you went out to get you something to eat and you dressed up, had a nice time out. Maybe you went to a play or something and all of a sudden you come home, you say, I'll tell you it was a good idea. I'm going to go climb through the window. No, you go, you go through the door because it's your house, right? Because in your house, you believe you have a right to enter through the door. Only thieves and robbers try to come through another way. The church is the house that Jesus built. Let's not be mistaken about that. I said the church is the house that Jesus built. He's the door. He's the gate. You're trying to enter through any other Avenue talking about there's several ways to heaven. Jesus says you're nothing but a thief and a robber. He don't mix words about it. They don't need you to think you're going to heaven without him. He says trying to, so when you hear somebody saying they're going to heaven without Jesus, tell them Jesus said, don't have to tell them you said it said Jesus said you're a liar, you're a thief and a robber. That's what he said, because this is the house Jesus built. You're not getting to heaven without him. He is the door by which all must come through. Attempting another way into heaven without Jesus proves you are a thief and a robber. Not just a thief, you're a thief and a robber. You see, the thing about attempting to sneak into heaven is it's impossible to get into heaven without going through the Lord Jesus Christ because God is the watchman and he never sleeps or slumbers. You can't hire a fancy lawyer to get you into heaven on a technicality. That don't work in heaven. That may work on earth. See, down here you got corrupt judges. You got corrupt lawyers. The law really don't matter. You can't bribe God. Yeah, You can't talk. You can't speak your talk. Your mom and your dad don't care how rich and influenced they are. You can't get your way into heaven this way. Yeah, I think Greg, the old folks used to say every tub has got to sit on its own bottom. Our text goes on to say, but he that entered in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the, 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 the porter opened and the sheep hear his voice and he called his sheep by name and leaded them out. So the Lord Jesus is the door and the shepherd. The porter is the father who opens up his sheep's ears to hear. The, uh, the other Pharisees and the so-called leaders did not gain their position based on being chosen. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...by God. See, there's a difference between then your mama, your grandma, or your pastor calling you 
and foes of God calling you. See, when God calls you, it's a different, it's a different mindset when God calls you. They may have been called by a person with political connections or something, or your daddy died and gave you the church or this or that, but God calls you. It's a different calling when man calls you. Some may have uh, even went to fancy schools and received a form of education, and there's nothing wrong with that. I know some great uh, 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 preachers throughout history. Some of the best preachers throughout history had a form of education, but guess what? Just because they had a formal education, they still had to be called. You can get a formal education and you have not been called. It ain't going to do you no good. Because Moses got a great education, but he still was called by God at the age of 80 years old. So even though Moses had been uh, trained in Egypt under uh, the, the tutelage of all the fancy uh, education systems in Egypt, then he spent another 40 years out in the wilderness <laughs> I guess that's that's him getting his uh, uh his his, his uh, PhD out there in the wilderness. Guess he got his bachelor and his master's while he was in Egypt, but he still had to be called by God. See, all of the other people in uh, Egypt, including some of the Hebrews, may even got some education while they were there in Egypt, but they weren't called to deliver God's people. God called Moses. He was. He, he had to be chosen by God. John the Baptist had no formal education, but guess what? He was still chosen by God. Matthew 22 and 14 says, For many are invited, but few are chosen. <laughs> I think the King James Version there says, Many are called, which means the same as invited. See, there's a lot of people who may be invited to something. Uh, matter of fact, the Bible says, Whosoever will, let them come. They got invited and said, no, we're not accepting that. <laughs> but see, there's few, few people that God chooses. And you normally can tell because the people who are chosen by God does not run away. When conflict comes, somebody says, that sounds hurtful, and they run away. Because somebody may question uh, that the Bible seems kind of narrow-minded. These leaders in our text are blind watchmen. They are wolves in shepherd's attire. They are mute dogs that can't even bark. When false teachers come along, these phony shepherds are silent because they are concerned about their position. If you read over in Isaiah chapter 56, verses 10 through 12, it paints a real good picture of these phony shepherds. Starting at verse 10, it says, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yet they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. They are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one of his, his game from his quarter. Come ye say, they, I will fetch wine and we will fill ourselves with strong drink and tomorrow shall be our as this day and much more abundant. See, the job of the pastors or the teacher is to not get on the air or get in the pulpit and talk about how much money, how many cars, how many airplanes, how much stuff that God has blessed them with. See, God don't mind. I always tell people, God don't mind you having stuff. But when I see a preacher Completely, I'm going to completely turn you off. 
When I see a preacher, and that's what they all they talk about. Because if that's so important, Paul and Jesus and Peter and James and John and Matthew and Bartholomew, anybody you name in the Bible, if that was so much of God, they would have got, Jesus would have been riding around in one of those golden chariots with these fine-looking Arabian horses or something. See, you can have stuff, but if that's what you're going to talk about in the pulpit, ain't nothing you can say to me that's going to tell me that you're of God. Not because I said so, because it's so contrary to what the, 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 the gospel is about. Because that's why it's a turnoff. I always tell people, uh, Moses, I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, Abraham had money. Job had money. There's nothing wrong, but did you hear them bragging about their money? Anytime a preacher, I, I'm not going to even argue with anybody. Anytime a preacher is getting on there talking about they got Rolls Royces, they got big cars, they got the whole nine yards, and that's all they talk about. Those are, are, are hirelings. <clears throat> those are wolves. It ain't nothing biblical about that whatsoever. It's not an argument with me. It's just biblical. Show me in the Bible. Next time somebody said that, they're going to go get a couple of scriptures to see the Lord wants to bless you. Yeah, but is your gospel only talking about how the Lord wants to bless you? Because I don't remember reading about that gospel. That's not the type of shepherd that the Lord Jesus chooses to place over his flock. Now, they go get their own following because they build people. Just like the Pharisees and scribes had people following them too. People think because people got big churches or they got a bunch of money. They just say, they got to be of God. Bill Gates got a bunch of money. <laughs> I mean, George Soros got a bunch of money. So if money makes you mean that God's got your favor on you, there's a whole bunch of demons with a bunch of money. So money ain't the way to prove that God, his blessing is on me because he's blessed me with money. You phony you. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should repent today. That's why it's good to, to, to get some discernment. That's why in Ephesians 14, uh, 4 and 14 says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about and with every wind of doctrine by the sleet of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. They can't wait to deceive somebody because they themselves are so deceived, they think they're actually preaching the gospel. You see, you can get so you can try to abuse the, the word of God so many times that all of a sudden your your conscience is so seared, you don't even realize you're not even preaching the gospel no more. Phony shepherds want to make disciples unto themselves, but those whom the, the good shepherd has chosen makes disciples for him since he is the door to heaven. It, it seems like a, a very easy concept. Anybody who was actually trying to read the scriptures would understand what that means. It ain't hard unless you're carnal minded and you just self-interest all the time. You ain't thinking about getting to know Jesus Christ because getting to know him makes you divest yourself of you. You will also notice that the sheep of the true shepherd hears his voice. They recognize his voice. That means when someone is telling you to, to get with a teaching that goes against the true shepherd, you ought to run away from that wolf in shepherd's clothing. You will also notice that the true shepherd calls his sheep by name. He does not issue them a number. He calls them by their name. In Luke 20 and 10, it says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven, not your number, your name is recorded in there. This ain't prison. 
See, the good shepherd calls you by name. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 22 and 23 says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. It says your name is written in heaven. Your name, not your number is written in heaven. Your name is written in heaven. So the true shepherd calls his sheep by name. And when others can't understand the voice of the shepherd, it's because they are not his sheep. <laughs> the shepherd, the sheep know. See, they listen to a, 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 a phony teacher because they don't belong to the true shepherd. It's easy to deceive some sheep that's not part of his flock. The sheep hears and obeys the true shepherd. Over in the book of Acts, chapter 22, the apostle Paul had just got beaten with about an angry mob over in Jerusalem. Some of y'all may remember when we went through the book of Acts. They beat the snot out of Paul. They, they tried to tell him not to go to Jerusalem, but he says the Holy Spirit is telling him to go. <laughs> Now, there was times that Paul didn't go and get beat. You don't think Paul just like taking beatings now. So Paul asked for permission to speak after they had went crazy for no reason. And while giving his testimony about the conversion on the road to Damascus, he says, starting at verse 7 in chapter 22 of the book of Acts, he says, I, feel, I fell into the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecuted. Listen to the verse 9. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. So the Lord Jesus was speaking to Paul, and the others standing right there could not hear the master's voice. That's what my Bible says. I don't know what your Bible says. Acts 22, uh, verse 9, said the other men saw the light, but they was not able to hear the voice of the good shepherd. Now, they saw the light, but could not hear the voice. Maybe it's because they were not his sheep. It even could be that at that particular time, he was only calling Paul and not the other men because, listen to this one, he does not call us with a herd mentality. Mm. See, that's what this, this cookie-cutter mentality is. See, that's why I like about God. God knows that we are individuals. All of us, it's like a snowflake. We all, I don't care if you're identical twins, y'all are not absolutely the same. God does not build the same creature more than one time. When he made you, he broke the mold. I know that's hard for some of you to believe, but he makes nothing but original copies. That's right. When you get you, you can tell somebody, you got the original copy in there. Because it ain't but one of me. <laughs> That's the good thing about uh, the shepherd. When he makes someone, he breaks the mold. Say, we're not going to make another. This, we're not going to run through assembly line and say, everybody got to do the same thing. Because he does not call us with a herd mentality. He calls us as individuals. When Jeremiah was called, he was alone. When Moses was called, he was alone. When Isaiah saw the vision in the year that King Uzziah died, he too was alone. 
when Gideon was hiding in the threshing and God called him, guess what? He was alone. When Jacob wrestled with God, guess what? He too was alone. Maybe the reason you can never hear God is because you don't spend quiet time with him. Mm, the best time to hear my God is when you spend some time alone. See, you remember the story of Jacob before he wrestled with God? It says that he sent all his stuff, all his children, his wife, all the men. He sent them all to the other side. He didn't get a chance to wrestle with God until he was left alone. Ooh, boy, that'll preach right there just in and of itself. Until you spend time with God, you ain't going to get a chance to wrestle with him. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to break you. He may have to injure you so that you may be understand that he's Lord and you got to follow him. But the reason uh, Jacob got a chance to wrestle with him because he got alone. Couldn't do it when you would. You got too many people around you all the time. You don't get no quiet time with him. See, some of you are afraid to spend time by yourself. I once worked with a guy. I believe I was about mm, 30 or so, maybe 31 I worked with a guy. He was older than me. I think at that time he may have been around 47, 48, maybe even 50. I'm not even for sure. And uh, I remember when I was working there, we used to, sometimes we used to get off, it's called late, because we started at like 7 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes we wouldn't be through until like 6 or 7 at night. And so most of the time, I was trying to get out of there, you know? <laughs> I mean, other people were trying to get out of there, but I noticed that he was never trying to get out of there. And I, I asked him, I said, why? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That you always just hanging around. You ain't anxious to get home. He said, if I leave, he said, my kids are already grown. My wife don't get off until a little bit later. And I don't like going home to an empty house. What? You don't like being by yourself. You're that afraid of being by yourself that you won't even go to your own house. So you must be able to hear your name being called. And sometimes you got to be left alone. You remember the calling of Samuel when Samuel was a little boy. God was calling him. He would wake up and go in there and tap Eli and say, did you call me? He said, no, no, no. Go lay back down. He did it a couple of times. He said, next time uh, you hear that voice, said, Lord, here's your servant. Speak to him. But he was alone. The way they once called out you at restaurants. Remember you used to, the old way they used to go? When you used to go to restaurants, they didn't have like your, your beep. Everybody didn't have phones then. And pages and stuff. So they would have to just call out your name out loud if you was waiting for the table. And if you didn't answer a certain amount of time, they would give your table to somebody else. Well, the good shepherd calls us by name so he can lead us out. The text then says, and when he put it forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yeah, you know his voice. See, it's strange when you got animals. See, even animals <laughs> know their master's voice. Sheep are good at this. They know their shepherd's voice. You get you if you got a dog or a horse, I mean it's just something about the the, the, the their owner's voice that they know. Now if an animal 
knows the voice of their masters or their owners, shouldn't it just make sense? If you say you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you ought to have some discernment and say, I know I can tell you right now, that ain't of God. Mm, see, it says, you see, the stranger is not speaking a heavenly language to the, uh, the, the, the sheep of the good shepherd. And when speaking uh, 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 this other language, uh, his, his sheep are not going to listen. They said, we don't understand that foreign language you're talking about. So they ain't going to listen. That. They, they understand the master, the good shepherd's voice. Now, when speaking about the last days over in Matthew chapter 24, the Lord Jesus says, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Notice that it says, if possible. It didn't say, it's probably say if it was possible, because they got some of these silver-tongued false teachers out there right now. They're some smooth talkers. I've, I've listened to him and I'm seeing like, that's so unbiblical. But he said it in such a smooth way, they jumping up talking about amen. I said, he just lied on Jesus. What are you jumping up saying amen for and hallelujah, jumping up like you done lost your mind or something? That man just contradicted Jesus. The woman just contradicted Jesus. They got all this kind of unbiblical teaching and acting as if it's biblical teaching. These silver-tongued devils, but see... The devil cannot fool God's elect. It's easy to fool. And see, even when you was, uh, maybe you was a young Christian, or maybe you are a young Christian now, it's easier to deceive a younger Christian, and sometimes you got to get on the right path, and you got to get you some sound doctors. So you got to, you got to spend time with God and says, Lord, show me. I want your true gospel. I want to follow you, no matter what it may cost me. See, no, most people ain't willing to just say that. I'm willing to follow you for whatever it may cost me. I want your truth. See, if you say that, you may have to, you're going to have to distance yourself from some so-called friends and so-called family members if you start talking like that. Because when you get serious and, and say, I really want to know you and I want to know your truth, you'll find out that there's a whole bunch of people you thought was talking about the gospel or knew the gospel. They don't have a clue what they're talking about. But they're not able, these false teachers... These silver-tongued snakes are not able to trick God's elect. There is just one big problem. They are teaching and preaching things that God has never said. And it's dangerous to start preaching things that God never said. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 and 3, it says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Can somebody say we're here? It ain't the first time in history we've been here because there's been a lot. There was false teaching going on right when Jesus was there. There was false teaching going around back in the 1500s, the 1600s, the 1700s. And if this earth is still standing here 100 or 200 years from now, it'll still be false teaching on this earth. So the time will come when people will not put up a sound doctrine. Are you, are you telling me you think people put up a sound doctrine right now? They'll get offended if you start telling the truth. I mean, vehemently, they'll want to kill you. Watch, what, watch how they're going to treat Jesus for speaking the truth. Instead, it says, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myth. When you do not want to listen to sound doctrine that is clearly laid out in the scripture, it can only mean one thing. You are not his sheep because his sheep know his voice. 
John declares in verse 6 that this was the parable that the master spoke to them. And sometimes uh, you cannot attempt to make a parable walk on all fours. Sometimes when it's a parable, you can get the, the meat of what he's trying to say, but sometimes people try to take it all literally and he's making a point because it says it's a parable, unless he's saying it's not a parable. But notice that they did not understand the parable. Then the master says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. That seems very simple to anybody who knows the master's voice of what he's trying to say. I don't know how anybody can read what we've been reading in John and be confused that you can get to heaven in any other way. We just we we, 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 we just been going through verses, I mean, from chapter 1, and we're just in verse 10 right now. I mean, chapter 10 right now. And you'll notice that almost throughout these scriptures, first of all, it tells you about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. It tells you about time and time again how he's telling them point blank he's the only way. In this particular chapter, he's talking about he's the door. I mean, he's telling plenty of times, I'm the bread of heaven. I'm the only way to the Father. I don't know how much clear you can, I don't know how anybody can be reading this and trying to say that there's another way to get to heaven. That was this uh, preacher who was talking. He said he had a, a, a Jewish friend and he said that they was discussing. He said, well, there must be two covenants. One that the Jewish people can get to heaven without Jesus and one that the Gentiles can get to heaven with Jesus. Now, well, how ridiculous does that even sound? It's the same way to get to heaven whether Jew or Gentile. So in case there were any confused about what he meant by the door, he says, I am that door by which you must enter heaven. And when he says, all that ever come before me are thieves and robbers, he's not talking about God's prophets that came before him because they too were pointing people to him. But those false teachers and now the Pharisees, the scribes and the Sadducees, they are the thieves and the robbers. They are attempting to steal God's people away from him in order to make disciples unto themselves. These thieves refuse to use the door to go into God's house. How does that even sound? Yeah, God, I'm coming to your house, but I'm not going through the door. <laughs> they will eventually be charged with breaking and entering. See, you can try to, you can try all you want to to break in that uh, the heaven. You're not getting in there because God is the one guarding it. Now, I believe the police code for breaking and entering uh, in progress is, I believe, a ten. 62. If I'm not mistaken, I believe breaking and entering is called a 1062. And it, I believe it's um it's called a, a, a 211 if you are if it's a robbery. So a 1062 is breaking and entering. That's what these so-called teachers are doing. And a 211 is a robbery. <laughs> but don't worry because the Lord Jesus has replied with another police code. It's what they call a 1023. Now, some of you may have never heard of a 1023 before. That's when the officer says on the radio, I've arrived on the scene. Yeah, a 1023. Now, well, these thieves and robbers were attempting to do a, a 1062 and a 211. But the master just called in with a 1023 because the good shepherd has arrived on the scene. And once the good shepherd arrives on the scene, he says, I'm the door. I'm here. <laughs> By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved 
and shall go in and out and find pastors. Can you picture that you are stranded in a distant country and there are those who have been attempting to hunt you down and kill you, but someone informs you that there is a safe house or there is an embassy that can give you a safe haven if you can just make it there. And this person picks you up in their vehicle, takes you to the gate or the door to get in. They say the only way you can get in is you must say say this code and, and then the door will open. And once you get in the gate or the door, you will find the finest food and the finest drink that money can buy. Well, the master says once you're in and you only can get in by confessing your sins and coming to him and saying, Jesus is Lord, and thank you for dying for my sin. That's the code. <laughs> the master says, once you come in and enters, I'm going to shut the door and nobody's going to be able to uh, come and snatch you away. Yeah, that's the only way you can get in. Because, see, the Bible says if you're in Christ, then you're saved. Like, how many people were saved with Noah on the ship? Only the people inside the ship were saved. Well, Noah's ark is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody who's in Christ are saved from any floods that may come. <laughs> See, if you're in Christ, uh, that's why Paul kept saying those who are in Christ Jesus. Peter would say those who are in Christ Jesus. John says in Christ Jesus. So if you're in him, you have a safe haven because you are entered into his rest. You are safe from the evil one and from the darkness that has consumed the world. You are free from the darkness because he is the light of the world. You have eternal life because he's Jacob's ladder that bridges humans to God Almighty. You will also find food for your soul because he is the bread of heaven that has come down. You will also never become thirsty uh, for what the world has to offer because believing in him as the scripture has said rivers of living water will flow from within them what makes the shepherd different from the thieves and the robbers is the thief coming not but to steal to kill and to destroy he has come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly I don't know about you but that sounds like something I need to sign where I sign up at well, I already signed up. If you ain't signed up, you might want to sign. He said, not only can you have life, but you can have it more abundantly. See, you ain't got to run around like chicken little with your head chopped off because you're in an abundant life. I'm in Christ Jesus. Yeah, he's going to take care of me. That's his job. <laughs> what do you mean? You call him a liar? Mm-mm. See, you may not get all the riches that you say you may have, but you ain't starving. No, you're not because you're in Christ Jesus. And he takes care of his sheep. Yes, he does. We must always be on guard against thieves. Paul writes over in Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted, built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness, see to it that no one takes you captive, through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition and not the element uh, spiritual forces of this world rather than in Christ. So if someone has a new revelation that depends on human wisdom, 
I don't care if they have a tradition that, that's been passed down for 5,000 years. If it does not line up with the teachings of the Good Shepherd, sooner or later, you will be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophy. That's what tripped people up so, so many times. They'll get caught up on something. They'll be impressed with something. See, all you got to do is say, I'm going to see if they line up with what the Bible says. So it's contradicting the Bible here. So whatever they're saying is false. I'm turning you off. I don't care who it is. You got to understand how to decipher facts. And when somebody's willing just to flat out lie, to oppress or do evil things, I don't care how sweet it sounds. I don't care how articulate they may. If it's a $55 word, I really don't care. Because these are hollow and deceptive philosophies. So the good shepherd wants you to have an abundant life. He wants to set you free from slavery of your sins. And whom the Son sets free, we've already understood that you are free indeed. Notice the objective of the thief opposed to the objective of the good shepherd. The thief wants to steal your joy and peace. He wants to kill your hope so that uh, uh, you will go down a path of destruction. Then he wants to destroy your soul so that you spend eternity in hell because that's where he's going. The good shepherd comes bearing gifts. He wants to give you eternal life so that you will have joy and peace in this life. And then you will enjoy uh, what's called the abundant life, knowing that you will spend eternity with the Godhead. Uh, the good shepherd goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not or not, say, he seeth the wolf coming and lead it, leaveth the sheep and flee it, and the wolf catcheth them and scatter the sheep. So, in other words, when the hireling see the wolf coming, he bails. <laughs> as soon as he see the wolf coming, he says, I'm not even putting up a fight. I'm out of here, deuces. I don't believe that you will question if someone loves you when they're willing to die for you. If somebody give up their life for you, you're going to say, Well, I don't know if they really love me. You got to be kidding me. Because <laughs> there ain't many people, most of y'all going to die for, am I right? The good shepherd is willing to die for the sheep because they belong to him. The hireling takes off and run because he only wanted the sheep for what he could get out of the sheep. When a pastor of a church won't even stand up for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in the face of mere questioning, how can you think this hireling loves you when they don't even love the Lord Jesus enough to stand up for his word. I have no problem with someone who, who may have fled in a certain situation in order to fight another day. Because David fled from his son. Uh, it was Absalom that was attempting to kill him. He said, okay, I'm, I ain't prepared to battle right now. In the art of war, it, it teaches you that. There's a time you may have to flee in order to come back and fight again. Oh, it ain't your time. Paul even escaped in some situations because his time had not yet come. When they were about to stone the Lord Jesus, on many occasions, we've already heard, he slipped away because his time had not come. But when, uh, when time came for him to die, he told the disciples, put your swords up. 
a true shepherd stands up for the truth. He defends his sheep from the wolves. When someone is willing to, to, to lie about the truth in order to get along, they are not fit to call themselves shepherds or leaders. Let me repeat that one again. When someone is willing to lie about the truth in order to go along to get along, they're not fit to call themselves a shepherd or a leader. You're no leader. I don't care what nobody says. The master goes on to say in verse 13, the hireling flee it because he is a hireling and care it not for the sheep. In other words, don't tell me with your words you love me. Show me that you love me with your actions. Have you ever heard that before? Don't tell me you love me. I want to see it in action. See, I forgot it was, I don't know who, what, what a missionary person this was, but he was in one of these countries or whatever, and, and he was out there, and he would get out there and play with the kids, play, uh, think, soccer with them, bring them food and all this. He hadn't even preached the gospel to them. And he was an older missionary. And one of them, the, the, the newer missionary says, when we going to preach the gospel, I mean, to these people? He said, I've been preaching the gospel. What you talking about? I'm displaying my love first. I'm going to break down the walls. Once I break down the walls and show them how much I love them, the gospel will be easy. <laughs> See, the reason you can't get through to people when, you, when they don't think you love them, when they don't think you're concerned about them, they ain't going to listen to nothing. Now, I mean, there are some occasions where stubborn, stiff-necked people won't even respond to love. But in most times, love just melts the heart. So don't tell somebody how much you love them. You can show them first. They're over here starving, hungry. You're trying to preach. No, 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 no. That ain't the way to do it. You got to feed them first. Tell me how much you love them. And you ain't feeding. They're over here starving to death. You're talking about Jesus will provide all your need. No, go in your pocket and give them some food. Then they may be willing to listen to the gospel. Most parents would be willing to die for their children. The Lord Jesus, who is the good shepherd, is dying for those who don't even know him yet. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners or while we were yet sinners Christ died for us I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine the good shepherd knows his sheep by name and his sheep know him as the one who was willing to die for them then he says and other sheep I have which are not of this fold them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there should be one foe. Did you get that one? There should be one foe and one shepherd. You see, he had been addressing the Jewish people. And now he addresses the Gentile believers also. So there ain't no two plans. Let me read what Jesus says again. Verse 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this foe. Them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one foe and one shepherd. Now, you remember he already passed through Samaria. They were half Jewish, remember? Now we understand that he's saying Gentiles and Jews still got to go through the door. He says, I have other sheep that are not in this fold right now. He says, it's the job of the good shepherd to bring these lost sheep in. Ephesians 3 and 6 says, this mystery 
is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know how anybody can read that also, Ephesians 3 and 6, and start telling me about there's two plans. I don't know what Bible you're reading or what deceiving spirit has been talking to you, but just repent and get over yourself. Now, in Luke uh, chapter 15, when it was talking about the, the tax collectors and the sinners gathering to hear Jesus, they had, he had, see, the tax collectors, I mean, you was like, you was a sinner, and a tax collector was like another category because they hated the tax collector because sometimes the tax collector was Jewish and he was uh, skimming off the top of uh, charging them extra and coming. So they hated tax collectors almost as much as they hated Samaritans. So in verse in chapter 15 of Luke, it says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law saw Jesus talking and hanging out with these tax collectors and sinners. And they said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. What is wrong with him? He over here eating with sinners. I always, liked, I always thought it was peculiar when some Christians think they're so holy that they can't talk to certain people. Well, how are you going to get them saved then? They act like they was always saved. There's nothing worse than somebody who acts like they always were saved. They almost, you can't even better be around them. It says that my Lord used a parable to teach these Pharisees and teachers a lesson. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who needs no repentance. That's strong. The good shepherd came to seek and to save his lost sheep. The Lord Jesus goes on to say, the reason the father loves him is because he lays down his life for the sheep. He says he lays down his life so that he might take it up again. <laughs> this is a reference to the resurrection. No man take it from me, but I lay it down of, of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment I received from my father. Isn't that some strong language for somebody? If you hear somebody talking like that, either you're going to think they slap crazy. And if they actually start doing it, you're going to say, well, maybe they ain't crazy. The master says, no man can take my life. I'm willing to lay it, lay my life down for my sheep. Now, I don't have to do it. I can take these people out easily. I, I can just uh, call for some angels to come down and destroy all of them. All it takes is one angel. We can nip this in the bud real quick. Get it popping real quick. Not only am I coming to lay down my life, but I will also take it back up again. So guess what? They said after he said this, the scripture says, many of them said he has a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, these are not the words of him that had the devil. Can a devil open the, the blinded eyes? Notice the thieves, the robbers, and the hirelings want to say that the good shepherd has a demon. What are you basing that on again? You see, you notice that theme. We've talked about this over these lessons. You know, it's a theme. Every time Jesus comes and starts speaking the truth, they say he got a demon. 
You think if people are going to be nice to you every time you start speaking the truth. So you got to get that concept out your mind. Every time Jesus, I mean, almost in the third uh, uh, um, message that we did on the, uh, in the, in the uh, uh, when we did the uh, week three, they were talking about he was a demon. In week four, they was talking about he was a demon. Now in week five, they said he got a demon in him. I think last week there was, they called him Samaritan and, and demon possessed. You're not just demon possessed. You got a, you're a Samaritan and you demon possessed. Now because I guess he didn't open the eyes of the blind. <laughs> they said, this boy, he can, his problem is he got a demon. He opened the eyes, uh, uh, blind people's eyes. He's healing the sick. He's making the lame to walk. He's raising the dead. And these hirelings say he has a devil. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> they, I mean, come on. No thinking person uh, would say that this man has a devil. When he asked, when he when he gave he gave him a challenge, any one of you can convince me of sin. Now, if they say he got a demon, it should be easy to convince and, and say, "Listen here, demon, here's your sins right here." But when he asked them, "Which one of you can convince me of sin?" Silence, because they said we we're not trying to convince. We just want to kill you because we got the devil. Any thinking person knows that a person doing these types of things. Does not have a devil. Now they are going to inquire. If indeed the Lord Jesus. Is the Messiah yet again. But I thought some of you just said. He was a devil. So unless you are saying. The Messiah is supposed to have a devil. Why ask him a question. If he's the Messiah. Starting at verse 23 of chapter 10. It says and Jesus walked in the temple. In Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews around and about him. And said unto him, How long doest thou make us to doubt? If thou be Christ, tell us plainly. A am I missing some here? Because when I be reading this, I be saying, I, I know nobody cannot be this freaking stiff-necked. What do you mean tell you plainly? He already did. <laughs> I don't know how much plainly you can get. But they're not his sheep, so they don't hear his voice. Jesus answered, I told you. <laughs> and you believe not. The works that I do... My, in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not because, guess what? You're not my sheep, as I have told you. <laughs> my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. What the master is saying is that you're supposed to be those who know the scripture, right? Y'all, the teachers of the law, setting Moses' seat. And you should know that I am the Messiah by what I do. And what the prophets have written about me. Because the scripture points to me being the Messiah. They were fulfilling actually Isaiah chapter 8 verses 14 and 15. When it says he will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble, they will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. He is the stone that the builders have rejected. But you can't build the house without a foundation. And these people are attempting to build their way to God without the chief cornerstone. The master, my sheep, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. What he is saying to them is, if you were my sheep, you would know that I am the Messiah. 
The text says, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones to stone them again. See, that's the same format. You notice it, they, 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 it's the same thing throughout John. It just it, it goes it goes the the same kind of format throughout John. The Master does a great work. So-called leaders get mad, call him a devil. Then he declares his deity, and they say, "We got to kill you now." That's that's the theme throughout John. Jesus answered them, "Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these of those works do you stone me?" The Jews answered him, For a good work we're not stoning thee, but for blasphemy. And because thou being a man, makest thyself God. They understood he was saying he and the Father are one. Now he submitted himself when he came to earth, but he said me and the Father are one. We covered that in, in, in the first series. Because he is the one that was with the Father in eternity past. And he is the one who is able to raise the dead. We will see in chapter 11 of John's gospel, the scripture says that Mary and Martha sent a word to the Lord Jesus. Boy, wouldn't that be good? <laughs> they say, uh, we need to send a message and the message needs to get to the good shepherd. The message needs to get to the master. Uh, the message was really simple, but it was heartfelt. And they simply sent the message and says, when you get to Jesus, just tell him, Lord, the one you love is sick. Woo! Lord have mercy. I don't know if you, that sounds like praying material right there. See, that's what you got to do. is like, Lord, the one you love is having a hard time down here. Lord, the one you love is being uh, persecuted. Lord, the one you love is sick. Ah, that's, that's the message. <laughs> And it's just, they, they knew he was going to know who they were talking about. Boy, that's something else there. When they were sending the message, the question must have popped up. What should we tell the master when we go to them? They said, just tell him, Lord. Call him Lord and say, the one you love is sick. <laughs> I told you, John is also a book of love because John uses love so many times, the good shepherd loves uh, the sheep. Yes, he does. This good shepherd, he loves the sheep. He's not a hireling. Mary and Martha says, Lord, the one you love is sick. <laughs> P.S. Lord, the one you love is sick. Tell him that. That's enough. That'll get him going. <laughs> John writes in verse 5 of chapter 11, Now Jesus loved Martha. And her sister and Lazarus. John just sticks that in there. <laughs> See, Martha and Mary sent the message, Lord, the one you love is sick. John writing in uh, chapter 11, verse 5 says, Now, <laughs> now unto him that is able. <laughs> now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. John said, I'm just going to put that. Let's put a footnote right there. <laughs> I want to make this clear. See, whenever you doubting, see, they sent a message, the one you love is sick. John says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, which is Mary, and Lazarus. Now, 
It's like John was kind of setting you up. Because it's strange to say in verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when you get to verse 6, it says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Mm, I believe, Houston, we have a problem here. Let's read. Let's go back up here. Okay, what message was that, that, that the sister sent to him? Lord, the one you love is sick. John, in, in, in verse 5 of chapter 11, writes, Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. And verse 6 says, When the message got to the Lord, he heard that Lazarus was sick. He stayed where he was two more days. Wait, the message they delivered to the master was, Lord, the one you love is sick. Also remember, John says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But it says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I want to paint the picture now. You know, what this could mean is that God wants to get glory out of the resurrection of Lazarus. Mm. Because the Lord Jesus had said this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Mm. Some of you are wondering why the Lord has not answered your prayers while you've been calling him for mercy. Mm. His plan may be to get glory out of your resurrection of your dead situation. Come on, somebody. I said, you've been praying. You've been saying, Lord, I'm calling on you. Lord, when you going to answer me? Maybe, maybe he's saying the same thing as Jesus said. This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the glory, for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Your dead situation may be that Jesus is going to get some glory out of it. Some of you are not even expecting God to answer. You have been giving up hope. And even when you ask God to answer that particular prayer that you consider already dead, you don't really believe he will answer you. But I want you to know that the Lord Jesus is the resurrection, even unto that dead situation in your life. The master then tells the disciples our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm I'm going there to wake him up. <laughs> he said, oh, because he dead now. Don't get me wrong. He said, he fallen asleep. He said, but I'm going to go wake him up. <laughs> he has the power to raise up a man that has been dead for four days. I don't know about you, but that, that's got to take some power. I don't know the concept uh, uh, from the physical realm of exactly what you need to do from a spiritual and a physical realm in order to call a man who's already been dead for four days. Mm, boy, I tell you, I understand that when he said he's the resurrection because he ain't even doubting it. It's like, it's like he's asleep. I'm going to wake him up, though. He's been asleep for like four days now, but I'm going to get him woke. <laughs> After the master said Lazarus was asleep, the disciples uh, replied with, Lord, if he sleep." He will get better, right? <laughs> so since they missed what he was saying about sleep, so the Lord says, Lazarus is dead. Do you not understand? But I'm, I'm able to wake him up. Oh, he dead. It ain't no doubt about it. But the good news is you're looking at the resurrection. 
In other words, the resurrection is going to do what he does. He wakes up the dead. He can raise the physical dead, but his greatest works are raising the spiritual dead. He alone has the power to save you from your sins. One thing you can say about the Lazarus family is that they were really loved. Either they were loved or some people just were nosy because it says many Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to comfort them in this lost of their brothers. It's good when you're going through something to be able to be comfort. Uh, our sister Christine Meadows uh, just lost her brother. It's always good to have uh, people you can depend on to comfort you when you lose a loved one. And sometimes the worst thing is some people coming around you. Can you see? Sometimes you just need to shut up. When people are going through stuff, sometimes you can talk too much. I've saw people do this. No, no, just be there and just shut up. And by the way, if there's a widow or somebody else who's lost a loved one, don't just come back during the funeral. Check on them in about two weeks. Check on them in about a month. Check on them in about two months. Check on them in about six months. That's when they're going to need you more. So our problem is that uh, we, we, we don't understand that sometimes... Being there for somebody, just being there. I don't care if you're just fixing the food, cleaning, go cut the yard for them, do something. Stop running your mouth so much, though. Because sometimes they don't want to talk. Just let them talk when they want to talk. But when, when worshiping Martha heard that Jesus was coming, because I, I like to call her worshiping Martha. Martha loved to worship Jesus. It says she went out to meet him. When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she said, I'm going to the master. Yeah, I'm going I'm to go to the master. He's arriving. And uh, he didn't come on time, but that's okay. I'm going to go out and do a little worshiping, though. It says when she, when, she, when she got to him, notice what she said. Lord, if you had been here. She didn't say, we sent you a message. You ain't get our message, Jesus. Is she going to reprimand Jesus? No, she didn't do that. She said it, Lord, if you had been here. My brother would have not died. See, we can learn a lesson from this. We can learn a lesson from Martha and Mary. See, sometimes y'all want to just keep bringing up stuff. No, let it go. I'm not saying you, if somebody's wronged you so much and you can't get over it, just don't go around them. If they don't want to apologize, stay from around them. But sometimes petty stuff, we want to bring up every petty thing. You know what I'm talking about? Because I, I, I know I've been guilty of this myself. I, I, all I get, I learn how to just let it go. Because we want to keep on bringing up petty stuff. Yeah, I remember that time you asked me that woman, you gonna bring up every petty thing? Hold on a minute. Pump your brakes. She ain't gonna try to reprimand Jesus now. <laughs> she got better sense than that. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Girl, she don't even know what she just said. Somebody said, somebody walking around there should just start just praising right then. She says, but I know. That even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Wow. But see, I don't think she really believed what she just said. Now, it's powerful what she just said. But I don't think she asked, she's understanding the concept of what she just said. It's true. No doubt in my mind what she just said is absolutely true. That God will give him whatever he asked for. Martha's saying that the Lord Jesus had the power to hold off death. That's what she's saying. But listen to what the master says. Your brother will rise again. 
He has power over death. You as a Christian do not need to fear death. That does not mean you go out and pretend to be Superman or Superwoman. That don't mean go do some stupid stuff. That don't mean go pick up snakes and all this kind of ridiculous stuff. But it means you will not leave this earth until God gets ready for you to leave this earth. Then Martha says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You remember what she initially said, right? She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Well, then you just said it. Now, what, what are you talking about the last day for now? So she says it with her mouth that God will give the Messiah whatever he asks for. But she's saying it's too late for my brother because he's dead and he's been buried. <laughs> That's that situation in your life. It's been dead. It's dead and been buried. <laughs> it's way back in the back of your mind now. That's what some of you have said also. You say, you believe that God calls the dead back to life. But my situation is too bad. And I've had a, a funeral for it already. So let's just move on for that. But the Lord Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whosoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? This is a picture of how it will be for God's people in the future. Those of us who have placed their trust in him will be raised unto eternal life. But what the master has said to Martha is, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whosoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's the question. Her answer is, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Testify, Martha. She said, no doubt. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, Son of the living God. Wow. What a testimony. She then runs and tells her sister. She said, yeah, I, gotta, I, I believe that, Lord, but I got I to go tell Mary you here. <laughs> I, need, I need to run and tell Mary you here, Master. I believe what you just said, but let me go get Mary here. <laughs> she goes and tells Mary that the teacher is here, and he's asking for you. Woo! And you imagine that. <laughs> so now Mary gets up and goes to the Master, and those who were visiting Mary follows her because they think She's going to the tomb to do a little mourning. Now, I guess Martha must have whispered this in Mary's ear so nobody could hear it. Because they evidently they didn't hear it because John puts in there, they thought she was going to mourn at the tomb of her dead brother. When Mary got to the Lord, it says she fell at his feet. Now, that's a good place to be. Uh, her sister Martha loves sitting at the feet of Jesus um, but when Mary came out his time, Mary just came out there and just, bam, plopped down by the feet of Jesus. Ooh, that, that, that almost can preach right there, too. At the feet of Jesus. Mary say, uh, says the same thing that Martha says. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Yeah, yeah. She said, you are Lord. There ain't no doubt in my mind. Lord, if you had been here. My brother would have not died. I know for a fact if you was here, he wouldn't have died. She didn't bring up either. Did you not get my message, Lord? 
I said the one you love is sick. Did you not get that message? What? Tell me what they told you, Jesus. Because, I mean, they came to you. We sent in plenty of time, but it seemed like you just took your time getting here. Now, she don't bring up none of that. But you can hear the pain in both of their voices. Listen to what the verse 33 through 35 says. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Whoo! See, I, see you, gotta, you gotta try to see what they saw. See, when you read the Bible, try to picture the scene if you were there. I like to try to picture myself being there. Uh, if that was me, what, what would I be doing if I was... Uh, if I was like the brother of Lazarus, if I was one of the disciples, if I was the somebody in the crowd, those who they are mourning. Now, so she's a weeping, and and, and and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. It says that it touched Jesus when he saw these people and his friends, the one he loved, weeping. I don't know what the disciples was doing, but it says that. Uh, uh, the sisters were weeping. At least Mary was weeping. The Jewish people were weeping who came along. Now, I don't know if they were paid uh, professional weepers, but it don't say that. And then the Bible says in verse 34, where have you laid him? And they said uh, to the master, come and see, Lord. And verse 35 is that little children's prayer that People teach to their children, but it's so profound because it says uh, Jesus wept. Mm. Uh, Emmanuel wept. That's what it's saying. Jesus wept. I want you to understand this. The Lord Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus. Did he not know that? He said he was going. Lazarus was asleep. He was going to wake him up. D does your Bible say that? Yet he mourned with those who mourn because he loves them. Whoo, that's rich right there. I said Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus up. Did he not? Can anybody argue from reading the text we've read that Jesus knew for a fact he was going to raise Lazarus up? He almost said it. I mean, he just is, he said it's going to wake him up. And if he said it, that settles it. So it's a fact that he knew he was going to raise Lazarus up. That's why Hebrews uh, 4 and 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. The Lord Jesus wept with the ones that he loved. He wept because they were hurting. Mm. Your pain and suffering means something to him. He weeps if you're weeping. Don't think... That he doesn't care. I think the Bible talks about he catches our tears in some kind of way. Don't you think that you mourning and you pouring out your heart to him, it don't mean nothing to him. Jesus was God in the flesh. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus. But when he saw uh, the sheep that he loved weeping, when he saw those he loved weeping, it says Jesus wept. Mm. But he was not weeping for himself. It could have been twofold. He felt their pain and he was weeping over the conditions of the world because of sin. There is only two times in scripture the Lord Jesus wept. Here he wept in John 11 and over in Luke chapter 19 it says Jesus wept over Jerusalem. 
Ooh, he wept over Jerusalem because he says that they, they, if they only would have accepted it, when he came to the city, he wept because he knew it was going to be destroyed. So while the Lord is headed over to Lazarus' tomb, some of the people are saying, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Can you see the picture? They're going, they're walking over. People are weeping while Jesus is walking ahead. Show me where you laid him. Uh, Martha is weeping. I'm sure Mary is weeping. And, and some of the people there is weeping. I don't know what the disciples is doing, but there's got to be a picture to see right here. This is an intense scene here. So the scene I can imagine is a little tense, but I don't believe any knew exactly what's about to happen. Even though he says, show me where you laid him. Even though some of them said that, uh, could it be possible that this man who had opened the eyes of a man born blind, is it possible that he could have kept this man from dying? Um, they had, Martha had already testified that you are the resurrection. You are the son of God. You are the Messiah. Mary and Martha both had said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died, but they're on their way to the tomb. Can you picture it? The crowd is following along. Lazarus has been there for four days now, and Jesus is on his way to the tomb of Lazarus. The people are weeping. They're feeling the pain of these sisters who's lost their brother. Wouldn't it be something to have siblings who love like this? Oh, and have mercy. Mary and Martha and Lazarus was a close-knit family. The text says Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. The Lord Jesus says, take away the stone. Now, I got a question. <clears throat> Why did he say take away the stone? If you're about to raise Lazarus from the dead, you think he can't actually move that stone himself? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, you're going to have to get involved. Move the stone, since y'all. Come on, I'm going to get y'all here. We're going to get you involved in this miracle here. Go over there and move that stone right there. Can you imagine what the people are thinking right now? I, I, can't, I can't even pick. I mean, it's hard to imagine what somebody would think. I'm, going to, I'm following you down to a graveyard. We know this fella been dead for at least four days. And he's saying move the tomb back. Wait a minute. Uh, do, you, do you sure you want to do that? Because uh, Martha, everybody else is quiet, but Martha says, uh, uh, let me interject here, Lord. By now, uh, he's stinking. <laughs> he's my brother and everything, but Lord, I'm sure uh, by now, uh, he's stinking because he's been dead for four days. I love my brother, but you sure you want to move that stone back? I, wait a minute, Martha. Did you not hear what he said? I mean, can you picture this scene right now? Everybody is thinking what Martha's thinking because they still don't know what's happening yet, even though he said, move the stone back. Wait a minute. Everybody else is sitting there like, I wonder what he's going to do right now. Mm, what is Jesus doing now? <laughs> uh, uh, Jesus, I, didn't I tell you I was the resurrection? But the other people, they're thinking just like Martha's thing. You ever heard, you ever been in a crowd and everybody's thinking the same thing and sometimes one person just shouted out. <laughs> Martha's the person who shouted out. She's almost like the Peter now. Yeah, let me just shout that thing out then. Some people may have been thinking what Martha was thinking, they're thinking like, what is Jesus doing now? What would Jesus do? He's doing it. <laughs> he said, move the stone back. Like, wait a minute. I don't know if we ever saw anybody do try something like this before. Let me see if I got this right. 
They sent message to him. He stayed there for an extra two days. He get here. This fella been in the grave for for four days, and he's telling people to move stones. But this is gonna. I don't know what he's about to do. But we finna see if he's the real McCoy or not, because he's asking for stones to be moved back, and and some fella who's been already buried dead for four days by now. Martha says, uh, "Lord, he's stinking uh, by now." I, I'm. I'm, I'm I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he's stinking by now, Lord. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you want to do that. <laughs> you see, uh, with God, all things are possible. I know some of y'all don't believe that. See, I'm not one of those who's who's got to be on there naming and claiming everything. But I still believe that God Almighty can do whatever he wants to do. When I, See, I, I got a problem with both sides. Like, you, some people just, it's everything, just miracle, miracle, miracle. And if miracles are that common, there's not a miracle anymore. Just find it as something else. But there's some people on the other side that's saying, God don't work miracles no more. I mean, that's got to be the biggest. Food. So you're saying that you just box God in, that God can't do a miracle. What are you talking about? God do miracles every day. What you mean God can't do no miracle? <laughs> you're saying it's something impossible for God. If, is anything too hard for God is the question somebody may ask. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But with faith in him, you can quench fiery furnace. You can shut up the heavens so that not, it may not rain. You can shut the mouth of lions. With faith, an 89-year-old woman by the name of Sarah became pregnant. So the Lord says to Martha, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Whoo! I'm just waiting here. I'm just... I'm wondering what's about to go on. I don't know if you... Are you in the crowd yet? Because I'm trying to wait for some of you to get with us. Because we, we, at, we at the tomb of Lazarus right now. You need to come on over. No, no. Get, stop worrying about what you're going to eat tomorrow. Uh-uh. I said we're at the tomb of Lazarus right now. Can you picture it? People are weeping. He didn't got the tomb. I, some of them might have stopped weeping by now. Because, I mean, Martha was weeping, but I guess she she sniffed it up a little bit and said, wait a minute, Lord. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i crying too, but I mean, do you want to remove that stone? I bet you everybody was like weeping and, and sorrowful. But when he said move the tune, I bet you everybody said, wait one minute. You know how everybody just paused? <laughs> one of those like pause scenes, like everybody stopped. Did he just say what I think he said? He said, move the tune. Then he says to Martha, did I not tell you? That if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Now, everyone is hearing this. The anticipation just got turned up even higher. Yeah, the volume just got crunk up right then and there. Are you there yet? Because I'm waiting for some of y'all to get to Lazarus' tomb. We had Lazarus' tomb now. See, we were we were on our way there. They met Jesus out there. You remember, Martha showed up first. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She went back and got married. Mary came back, fell at the feet of Jesus. She started worshiping. Everybody that started weeping, Jesus wept too. Now he said, show me where you're laid. He's on his way to Lazarus' tomb. Now I believe Jesus could have found his way to Lazarus' tomb without, without asking him, show me where you're laid. Sometimes it seems like he didn't want to get people involved. <laughs> because if he can raise the dead, I'm sure he can find Lazarus' tomb. You know, I, 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 are you with me on that? So we, we're here. Are you, have you arrived yet? Are you at Lazarus' tomb with us now? Because we there. See, we waiting for this miracle to occur. We're at the tomb of Lazarus. 
So it says, so they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, listen, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. It's a done deal, he says. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. In other words, I'm, I'm, me and you talk like this all the time, but I'm doing this for their benefit. It ain't for my benefit, it's for their benefit. You see, the master has full confidence that Lazarus is coming out. Because he is the one that called those things that are not as though they were. Then it says, after talking to the father, he says, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> Lazarus, come out. And it, it, it's a good thing he called Lazarus by name because all of the dead may have come out of the grave if he had not called Lazarus by name. May I, I add that he did not really need them to move that stone. Come on, y'all going to get involved. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't even go with a long prayer. He just says, he talked to the Father. I know you always hear me, Father. I'm talking to you for the benefit of these people here. Because evidently they ain't got the concept of what's about to happen. Then when it came time for him to say what he said, he's, all he said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out. And the scripture says, after the Lord says, Lazarus, come forth. It says in verse 44, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Take take off the clothes and let him go. I don't know about you, but uh, either I'm going to get my shadow on right here or I'm going to do me a lap. I might just take off running. This man was dead for four days. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? He had been dead for four days. And Jesus goes to the, the tomb and just said, Lazarus, come forth. I don't know about you, but I can't even imagine this kind of power. Because you don't understand the concept of what it means uh, for rigor mortis to set in, for him to call a dead person back to life. I don't know if, if it's decay sitting in and all that got to come back together. I don't know how it works. I don't know if worms are starting to sink in. That has to come back together. The brain has to come back and the spirit has to go back in the body. So it ain't just, it's just saying a bunch of words. I like to look at stuff. How in the world did he do this? See, you look at the mirror again. People just say, well, he said come from now. I want to understand this right here. Because this, this kind of stuff that blows my mind. See, I got the kind of mind. I like to analyze things. And, and when I heard, when I said, he said, Lazarus come forth. Now, Martha had already said, Lord, by now he's stinking. And guess what? He may have been. So the one who's called the resurrection, the one who gives eternal life, calls whatever decay that had been sinking in on Lazarus to be removed. Then he had to call and quicken Lazarus. I don't know where, evidently Lazarus may have been in paradise somewhere. Personally, I would have said, don't, don't come get me. <laughs> I'm good. I know y'all miss me and everything. I'll see y'all when y'all get here, but don't call me back. Uh-uh, I'm a, it's cool right here. Abraham's bosom. I'm good. I don't know what he was doing, but can you imagine what Lazarus is thinking? I was on the other side. <laughs> think of, you think about the stories that Lazarus can tell now. I was dead. I'd have been, if it had been my brother, what did you see, Lazarus? 
what, what was on the other side? What did you see? You ever heard those people have those like, they was dead for six minutes or 12 minutes. They said they saw the other side. Lazarus was dead for four days. I like to know what he saw. Now, days don't mean anything in eternity. I, I get that. But I'm curious. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just curious. I don't know how he did it, but I still want to ask Lazarus what he saw on the other side. But furthermore, how in the world that everybody standing right here ain't just falling out and praising right now? I got a problem with some of these people here. I really do. Because this man Lazarus had been dead for four days. Some of the people were saying, could he have not, the one who opened the blinded eyes, is it possible that he could have stopped this man from dying? Mary and Martha were saying, if you had been here, can you imagine what kind of praise that Mary and Martha now don't do? They already knew. I mean, he already, already knew he loved him. But he didn't went to Lazarus' grave and called him out of the grave. So after this type of miracle, it appears that everybody should be in awe. I don't care how stiff-necked that you are. You got to be almost demon-possessed if somebody just called a dead man who's been dead for four days out of a grave and you ain't in awe. Some of the people immediately go and tell the Pharisees. Now, this is what I'm talking about. People who got dirty hearts. If you think you're going to change a dirty heart person, I just said the master who's sinless went to a grave, raised somebody from the grave who's been dead four days, and some of these people who was there, their first response is to go tell the Pharisees. I bet you any kind of money. These are some of the people who was over there pretending like they were weeping with Mary and Martha. I bet you it was. Acting like they was mourning. Why are they going to tell the Pharisees? Why y'all here? You know what I mean? Why are you here if that's the first thing you're going to do is go tell the Pharisees? Because that, that shouldn't be nobody respond. Everybody should have been praising the Lord. Lord, thank you, Jesus. Yes, he is the Messiah. There ain't no doubt in our mind. Can't nobody do this type of miracle. They go tell these wolves in sheep's clothing or in shepherd's clothing. They go tell the people who's been abusing them all this time. They go tell the people who ain't never done anything even closely resembling this. They go tell the ones who ain't never opened the blinded eyes. They go tell the ones who ain't never healed the sick. That the one who they call Jesus just raised a man from the dead who had been dead for four days. And it says the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting. It's something really wrong with the people. See, the reason I keep on stressing this because I want you to get this concept down. Some people are evil. Quit pretending like they're not. When people keep justifying wrong, they're evil. I'm sorry. I know it may be your loved one, but how is it possible that they tell the Pharisees, the chief priests, and they, they say, we're going to have another meeting. They, you ever notice the Sanhedrin always having these meetings? They say, we're going to have a meeting. Because we just heard that this fellow raised somebody from the dead who'd been dead for four years. Seems to me they should have went out and said, it's got to be the Messiah. Let's go out and worship him too. Mm -mm. They said, we're not accomplishing anything. That's their first statement. They call a meeting and says, we're not accomplishing anything. What does that even mean? Why would you want to stop these types of miracles? This proves again that no amount of miracles can change a black heart. See, that's why I like to say, miracles is fine. But miracles can't change a black heart. Because if miracles can change a black heart, if, if somebody who's been dead for four days, being raised from the dead, 
won't get these people to actually start believing that he is the Messiah, I'm sorry. There ain't no amount of miracles you're going to be able to do that's going to stop these people from having black hearts. I'm sorry. You're not smarter than Jesus. You're not better than Jesus. And you're not going to raise somebody from the dead who's been dead for four days. So what makes people think that miracles is going to get people saved? Oh, I like miracles just as much as the next person. But if miracles save people, why is all these people, the ones who went back and told the Pharisees, they should have got saved because they saw the miracle with their own eyes. The Pharisees could have went and examined this and got all these eyewitnesses who saw Lazarus called from the dead. Seems to me that these people too would have went and said, no, we're going to go out here and start work. See, notice when Jesus didn't even do a miracle to the woman at the Samaria, and the woman at the well in Samaria. She went back and started preaching the gospel in town. They came out. It don't even talk about miracles. It talk about Jesus preaching the gospel. They said, "Now we believe because we hear him for ourselves." The gospel is what saves. Preaching the gospel is what saves, not miracles. Paul did miracles. Jesus did miracles. There's nothing wrong with miracles. But if you're not preaching the gospel, I'm sorry, you might as well just open up a circus and just entertain. <clears throat> because the gospel is the only thing that's going to save you. Miracles don't save. The gospel saves. That's a fact. That's what Jesus said. Show me a better miracle than somebody being raised from the dead after, after they've been dead for four days. So when I start hear somebody keep talking about a miracle this, miracle that, miracle this, miracle that, all I do is say, is that miracle better than what Jesus did by raising Lazarus from the dead? You're not going to out-miracle Jesus. I'm sorry, you just not. And if that miracle still did not change the Pharisees and Sanhedrin and many of these other people who are out here mourning uh, with Sister Mary and Martha, I'm sorry. I, I don't think you're going to get these people to say their heart is completely black. It's going to take the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. See, without being born again, you're not going to see it. I don't know. I'm just having a hard time. I mean, maybe maybe it's me. I'm I'm making more out of this. and I'm, I'm Just picture yourself being there. Maybe this is nothing to you. Fella's dead. I go down to the grave with the fella, and we know for a fact this fella is dead. Matter of fact, I went to the funeral. We put, the, put him in the tomb, rolled a stone over, and we had the house mourning. This fella named Jesus shows up. It's four days later. We already had the service and everything. We always just doing a little morning trying to comfort the, uh, the, the sisters of Lazarus. Fella shows up, says, show me where you laid him. He goes down here and calls this fella, Lazarus, come forth. He said he was talking to his father, which is in heaven. Evidently, he must have got an answer. Evidently, his father in heaven must have picked up the phone and said, I got you. Because he goes to the tomb, calls Lazarus out, and their response is, let's go tell the Pharisees. The, the, the response of the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees and all these people is that uh, we ain't accomplished anything because here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Is that such a bad thing? <clears throat> and then the Romans, listen, they said, the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nations. You ain't worshiping God anyway. See, even if the Romans came and destroyed your temple, what big deal? Because... A time is coming, as Jesus told the woman at the Samaritan well. Well, you need to worship here or there. Because the Father is seeking true worshipers. Those who worship him in spirit and in truth. They're worrying about a temple. 
in our nation. These are the people who are frauds. These are the hirelings. These are the false shepherds. These are the people who pretend as if they're just out there doing the right thing for the people. And some of these people evidently like being abused by these Sanhedrin Council members. Because they couldn't wait to go tell. I guess they thought they were going to get some brownie points by going to go tell on Jesus. So the plan of these that say they follow the law of Moses is to kill a man for raising a man from the dead. I didn't know that was a capital punishment offense too. Proving that they had no love of God in their hearts. When people say they believe in the law, whether human laws are God's law, yet their actions allow them to break the law because of jealousy or hate, it just proves they are not of God. If any of the Sanhedrin was worth a grain of salt, they would say, we can do nothing to that man because he is practicing uh, for God. Uh, he's actually doing God's work. This goes, uh, this goes against the law of Moses, which they say they follow. Notice that they were always quoting Moses' law, but they never said Moses' law said we got to kill him. Notice when it comes to uh, killing Jesus, they're not worried about Moses' law. When they caught the woman in adultery, they said Moses' law. They said our teaching says this, and we follow Moses. We believe in Moses. We believe in the law of Moses. Notice that they're not talking about the law of Moses when they had this meeting in Sanhedrin. They didn't say the scripture said we must kill him for raising the dead. Because it's not in the law. You will notice that these Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees are just like your leaders today. They only quote the constitution of the law when it's convenient to them. And here they are ignoring law after law after law. Just like the scribes and Pharisees. They're not quoting the law now. And they did not just want to kill Jesus either. They said we need to kill Lazarus too. Okay, what's Lazarus crying? Well, he let Jesus raise up. He had nothing to do with it. It don't matter. We got to kill him. Because now people are starting to believe because Lazarus raised from the dead. If we kill Lazarus, I want you to understand how filthy and dirty people's hearts can be. His crime was being resurrected, which he had nothing to do. The Lord Jesus knew what their response would be, and yet his love provoked him to do it anyway. You think Jesus didn't know what they were going to do when he raised Lazarus from the dead? See, the Gospel of John shows us who the Lord Jesus is, and it's one uh, who is moved for his love for his sheep. Jesus loves you. He's willing to lay down his life for you. In spite of the consequences that would come, when he healed the man that was born blind on the Sabbath, he knew they was going to attack him. When he told the man, the invalid man to get up and take up his mat on the Sabbath, he knew they was going to get mad. When he told the woman that your sins are forgiven, who've been caught in adultery, they knew that would make them mad also. Everything Jesus did made them mad because they're not his sheep. Just like you can stop trying to coach people into thinking that they're going to all of a sudden start following Jesus because you said so. When they got hate and filth in their heart, no amount of preaching, no amount of coaching is going to get these people to all of a sudden become believers because that's who they are. They are not going to start believing in Jesus because you said so. They're not all of a sudden going to say, you know what? 
that you just preached such a great message. You just did such a great thing and you pointed people towards Jesus Christ in such a way that miracle you just did was so wonderful. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to start believing until the Holy Spirit touches their heart, until the Holy Spirit goes in and changes their black heart and, and, and cashes their black heart in and give them a heart of flesh. Give them a heart that's from him. You just you you just slamming your head up against a hard wall. It don't need you getting frustrated. See, don't get frustrated when somebody uh, does not accept the Lord Jesus, or you try to witness to them. Hey, you did you planted your seed? Somebody else may come along and water, or they may not never get saved. Have you ever thought about that? But sometimes you plant, somebody else may water, somebody may else may have a crop come forth. But see, you have your reward in heaven. See, it's good to get rewards down here, but ultimately, I'm going to spend a whole lot longer in eternity than I'm going to spend on earth. If I live another 150 years, it still pales in comparison to how long I'm going to be in eternity. There is no end of eternity. I was watching, uh, uh, my son was watching some with the, uh, the ocean, and it was talking about how deep the ocean was. And they had these submarines going down and they would go down so deep and these whales would go down so deep. They would say, if you turn Mount Everest upside down, you can put it in the ocean. It won't reach the bottom. And I'm saying to myself, my God, God created an ocean that deep. <laughs> and guess what? His love for you is deeper than that. Greater love had no man than lay down his life for his friends. And the, the good shepherd was willing to lay down his life for you. And that's what the gospel of John is about. His love for you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for watching over us. We thank you for all of those in the common sense nation. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen their hearts and their minds, quicken their spirit, encourage uh, their hearts, Lord, and show them that you are, are on their side, Lord, even though sometimes they feel like you have not been uh, with them. That's the time you've been carrying them. Uh, this is the time that we that you have been uh, with them and lifting them up. Lord, we pray a special blessing for our brother uh, Hemp. He's been sick since Friday. We in the Common Sense Nation, we all touch and agree. And we pray for, for Hemp, Lord. We don't know what his sickness is, but we know you made him. If you're able to call Lazarus, who's been dead for four days out of the grave, we know that you're able to heal the heart of Brother Hemp. We pray, Lord, blessings on him. We pray that you would, whatever sickness it is, we pray, Lord, that you would heal his body. That you would quicken his soul and heal him, Lord, so he may testify of your goodness, Lord. We pray for all those in the common sense nation. And we pray that you touch their hearts and their minds. Give them the courage to stand, Lord. And Lord, whenever you answer their prayers, give them uh, the thankfulness to come and give you the praise for answering their prayers. We pray, Lord, that you keep and hold us until you come back to receive us unto you. We realize that you are the good shepherd. Give us discernment, Lord, that we will know uh, the hireling when we hear it. We pray for all those in the common sense nation. Give all of them discernment in knowing your truth. Not what I say, but your truth. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you and
Hope that something was said that um, you may be able to glean from it. We're halfway there now. As uh, this is week five of our ten part series, so we got we got five more to go, and we'll be starting in um, chapter twelve on next week. Uh, we pray for Brother Hemp. We pray that his he would whatever ailment he's going through. We pray that he would uh, keep him in prayer all week. Keep him lifted up in prayer all week. Um, spoke with uh, Angie D and her father as actually he came out because they had tubes in him and he wasn't, he wasn't even able to talk or anything and so the day they actually removed the tubes out of him and he was able to even speak a little while so um, that was um, God did answer that, that prayer so we're praying that uh, Hemp get the, the same uh, thing we pray that he would be healed of his sickness God bless everyone in the uh, Common Sense Nation and uh, pray that um, some of the truth start coming out for the people who've just been just running loose in this country. I mean, Satan has been so busy, it's not even funny. Pray that the Lord just expose some of these people and uh, hear our prayer so we will be able to uh, get some victories. If uh, anything was said, if somebody wants to leave a, a contribution, you can on the website commonsensenation.net commonsensenation.net uh, you can leave um, a donation there we got a page set up and if you'd like to listen to any of our messages and if you miss any of the uh, messages that we did over the last um, four weeks including this one as soon as we go off I think it takes about two or three minutes and then this one will be you can download this one then so um if you want to download any of the ones you missed, you can listen to all of them back to back. If you're taking a trip or if you're at work or you uh, even going to sleep, uh, you can uh, download them or you can just listen to them. And, uh, you can go try to go straight through them, go from one through uh, all the way up to five right now. When we get through, you you almost have your nice little series. You probably have your about, I don't know, what's that about? Anywhere from 15 to 20 hours when we get through. <laughs> A message because we've been doing them almost about an hour and a half each one. Today we probably went even over an hour and a half. So um, hopefully it is encouraging to your heart. Uh, that's why we're doing them because the the book of John is a is a book of love, and hopefully you would actually um, be able to uh, use something, glean something from God's word that we share. GLC said, "My son is now complete." Yes, my Lord, thank you for what you've done for us this day. Because there's a lot of people did not make it to see this Sunday, and we thank the Lord for bringing us here this day. God bless you and God keep you, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day or the rest of your night. And I uh, hope to see you Wednesday. If not, we'll see you next uh, Sunday. God bless you. Mm-hmm.